Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Back. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How's it going? Well, I think you know how it's going. I do know how it's going. Um, a little rushed. Little, good Lord. Do you really need to bring the listeners into this? <laughs> we are a high-profile show now, David. Come on. Yeah, we do all right. But, uh, yeah, real quick before we introduce the, uh, the guest, I just want to let everyone know the website, the new website is up and running. Uh, and, Very excited uh, about that. Yes, it turned out better than even I thought it was going to, and I was designing the thing. And uh, so I'm very uh, pleased with it, so just go to battleshippretension.com, and, you know, the stuff has not changed. It's all the same stuff as before. It just is It's a better format now, and I like it. And we've still got the donate button. Still got that donate button. That thing's not going anywhere. Don't <laughs> you worry. Okay, now. All right, let's go ahead and get to the guest. Absolutely. All right, well, now... <laughs> I want to. I, I did this when we had Wyatt Sinek on. I want to have a little <laughs> apology here because yeah. we had a black guy on and we talked about race in movies. Yes. So now we're gonna have a woman on and we're gonna talk about feminism and sexism. Right. Our guest is Jen Kirkman. Hi. You, yeah, you oh, can, I can talk. Okay. Yeah, you can talk when I, I think say that's your name. okay. I mean. Well, I want. I want to say. I mean, you in to some extent in your stand-up, but I would say very much as a member of the EspecialThing.com forums, <laughs> you've that's been my job. you've been vocal on the subject. Yeah. Yeah. Or I don't know if you'd be vocal when you're typing, but. People know it. Oh, I talk out loud when I type. (laughs) Do you? (laughs) You and characters in movies talk out loud when you type, and that's it. (laughs) So, uh, well, first, before we get to the the topic, Mm -hmm. I I set set the table a little early. We usually don't get to the topic. I know. I know. Good Lord, David. But but I wanted to get that apology out of the way. Yeah. Um, So let's uh, let's get to know Jen Kirkman. Absolutely. Uh, Jen Kirkman, you you are a comic. Yes. Uh, Very funny. Thank you. Um... (laughs) Where, where where are you from first? Um, originally, yeah, like where I lived. Oh, I'm from Massachusetts originally. And did you get you got into into comedy there? Yeah, I started. Do you know Eugene Merman? Mm-hmm. He, not personally. Not personally. Oh, okay. Yes, but yeah. he um, was running a, a comedy night at a bar in Boston, and he gave me my first spot. He'd been he just graduated college, and he'd been running rooms for a couple of weeks, and then I jumped in, and then I stayed there for about a year, and then I went to New York a little prematurely, but it was, I'm glad I did. So, uh, and then when when did you move out here? Um, 2001, at the end of 2001. Not oh, because of okay. 9-11, but I did move out here. After 9-11? From New York City. <laughs> I got to get out of that In December 2001. <laughs> <laughs> this place is marked for death. <laughs> I think I'll go to the second largest city in the, uh, in the country. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, okay, so, like, uh, I mean, it's kind of a standard question. You've probably answered it before, and I apologize. But, like, what... Uh, I mean, what made you decide, like, oh, this is what I want to do with my life, you know, and, and I want to I wanna pursue this professionally? Um, honestly, I really always loved comedy on TV, like mm-hmm. most people do, like sitcoms. But, I mean, I was really obsessed with it, and I just knew I wanted to be in show business growing up. Mm-hmm. But And then I went to acting school, and I went through that little phase of, like, I'm a serious actress and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And my improv group in college went on a field trip to take a master class with Del Close, hmm. which would have been an amazing opportunity. And, of course, I was like, I'm in a very serious Vaclav Havel play, <laughs> and I'm not going. So I didn't go with them. And then um, I was like that kind of person that's kind of struggling. But everything comedically was kind of being given to me. You know, I would get into these groups and blah, 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 blah. People would say, oh, your writing's funny. And I would just try to squash it because I really wanted to be a serious actor. Yeah. And then... Pretty much when I graduated, I was like, I think I want to do comedy. I think mm. I want to do stand-up. I, it just, I don't even remember not wanting to and then having the thought drop in. It really was just always. But I didn't know it was exactly stand-up, maybe until college. Yeah, I, uh, 
personal story. Back in high school, like anytime we would do like a like a like a serious play or something, like if I was like like a, a comic relief, I'm like I want the dramatic moments. I want to be taken seriously. And then of course I was uh, then I was cast in like the one serious like the one like really consistently serious role in The Boys Next Door. At which point I'm like I want to get laughs. I want to, and that's I when I decided I just need to stop acting because I'll never be uh, satisfied. <laughs> But, and the, uh, the comic relief, and especially like a high school musical, gets right. the biggest applause at the yeah, end. They sure that, do. That's all they remember. They get all the school awards. Yep. Let's not even talk about <laughs> it. But anyway, um, but uh, oh shoot, I had a oh, I had such a good question, and now I forgot it because I was telling my stupid high school stories. But uh, David, you want to take it from I here? I can't think of any. I'd take like, a moment uh, and breathe. Yeah, Tyler. I know. I'm in, uh, no, not you, Tyler. Oh, okay. To remember it. All right. Such Do a meditation. Rush that I, uh, again, Tyler's fault that I'm in such a rush. But <laughs> good <laughs> my Lord. head is not okay. clear. All right. They all know that I'm late frequently. That's not the issue here. The issue is home movies. All right. Mm. Now, you, uh, I'd say probably that's, would you say that's the most high profile thing that you've done? Like, uh, as far as like on TV or, or, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess. So I, I really don't know. I guess it depends on who likes what. I did. That's true. I did like all the requisite stand-up shows, like Premium Blend and Late right. Friday and all that stuff. But I guess the home movies is the only thing that's like still running, that's stuck, that people like and are still watching. Like the other stuff I did was a one-time thing. Right. But that was the least high-profile in terms of like payment or helping me get other things. But mm, in right. terms of people seeing it, probably. And it seems like it would be an enjoyable thing because, it, you know, it's Brendan Small and a lot of people that I'm sure you just are friends with and know, you know, socially. No? Hmm? <laughs> um, y- well, yes. I was friends with what Brendan and I are no longer friends. I, oh, I hate to put this on. Can, is there any way to edit this? I just wanted to get that out. You no. Know oh, that's fine. Um, it's not a bad thing. We just, uh, we've fallen out of social graces with each other. But we mm. um, were friends when Home Movies was... Okay. Um, Done, done, and it was a really interesting story. Like these guys at the Tom Snyder Production Company just came to this place we all used to perform the comedy studio in Boston, and then kind of gave him his own show, and he put all of us in it when he could. And mm-hmm. I lived in New York at the time, so I used to fly back and do it. It was super fun. Okay, so what you're telling? I'm sorry to bring it up. So what <laughs> That's you're telling okay. me is it, you think back does. on it, you cringe, you, you're just like, oh. That's no, just a, no, such that a was like an amazing time. time. In my life. No, no, that was a great time in my oh, okay, life. That was okay. a great time in my life. It was super fun. And I used to, I was working a day job then, and I didn't want to tell my boss, like, I'm flying to Boston to do a voiceover. So whenever it would come up, I would call in sick on my way to the airport <laughs> and then just hope that he didn't call me for anything because I would be in a plane and in a studio and wouldn't be able to have my phone on me. Um, Anybody else in comedy you don't like that you want to tell yeah, us? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I never said I didn't like him. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We we're exes. I mean, does that make it a little oh, easier to right. understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. So just one of those. I don't really follow the you know the whole the you the wouldn't. Tawdry I don't part subscribe of to this weekly, so I didn't actually. Know yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've never talked about it on a podcast before. I always tell people in advance, and I forgot this time. Well, our po- <laughs> <laughs> our podcast it's all about gossip. You know, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. I hope no one latches on to that. Not like this. I don't mean like the New York Post, but just like any. I don't want to thread about it on any message boards. Or anything. Oh, I've man. kept it very quiet. <laughs> Controversy coming <laughs> up. Um, 
Now you also, uh, I guess we could, uh, I guess we could mention at the end of the show, but I've already started it, so here we go. Yeah. Uh, yours. You also have a, a CD. Oh, I was gonna mention. It. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Because I'm a big fan. Of, oh, thanks. I think self help was actually. The, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose some of my comedy nerd cred, but I had never bought a comedy CD. I bought like DVDs, but the first comedy album that I ever owned was self help. Oh, thank you. I actually don't know if I've ever bought a comedy yeah. CD except the ser- I bought all the AST series. Right. Oh, sure. Or some yeah. of them, but um. I don't know if I ever did before that. That's interesting. And it's, you know, it's interesting because, and I guess this could, we've got time to, you know, go this direction. But uh, your style of comedy, I, I enjoy the CD a lot uh, as well as does my wife. And I'd say that your style of comedy is, it's it's different in, in like a really good way. It doesn't really sound like you're doing bits. Mm-hmm. It really just sounds like you're talking you know yeah. like you're just it's very conversational i mean is that something that came about you know organically or did you make a decision that like i'm i don't want to go up and just clearly do obvious bits i'm mm-hmm. just gonna tell these stories like from my own life i mean it goes in and out out? like that actually that cd i didn't really know it was gonna i don't mean it's big but i didn't really know the ast record label would kind of take off they Mm -hmm. were like they approached me about it and was like it's just kind of experimental you're the guinea pig and you know we'll make a few we just want to see how we all do it Mm -hmm. how it all works and at first i wanted to just read short stories i was like i don't want to commit any stand-up to anything you can listen to so i tried to make it seem like a night of storytelling but those Mm -hmm. were all like definitely bits i have but i tried to present them exactly the way you said mainly probably out of a self-conscious thing like well they can't accuse me of it not being funny if i say it was supposed (laughs) to be like a night of storytelling but um but yeah i think that's how i started out and then throughout the years i learned how to write a joke so it kind of goes back and forth i don't talk about anything different if i go on the road but i do just get to the point quicker and i don't explore oh sorry i don't explore (laughs) and start saying to the audience like the minute i go off track Mm -hmm. they're they're gone like i'm talking about like a Right, improv in Texas or something. Uh, yeah, I, I, when I was, I mean, you actually address this at the top of the, uh, you know, at the beginning of the CD that it's like, you know, uh, you know, the the UCB theater in LA and just the the a the AST comedy mm-hmm. audience is, I'd say, very forgiving. But like, I, you know, listening to the CD, I'm like, does this play at all on the road? I mean, it's not to imply that those people are lesser, but it's yeah. just, you know, I think. Uh, like at the UCB, people are more willing to just go with the flow and let you do what you're going to do. Um, well, I had an interesting experience. I opened okay. up for Greg Barrett last year. We went all over, like Chicago, Philadelphia, Texas, West Palm Beach, Florida. And before each place, I'm like, ah, they're going to hate me. Mm-hmm. I got so much better on the road. I did like hard bits. People were dying laughing. The masturbation hmm. stuff, the stuff about being a woman. Dudes were going crazy. They loved it. <laughs> like, hmm. and it was, I could talk to the audience. Everything was so new to them that they were roaring with laughter. My sister came to the West Palm Beach shows we do two a night, and she was like, "This is incredible. I've never seen, I've never seen you like this." And and a lot of people said to me, "Why aren't people laughing harder on your CD at UCB?" Hmm. It's like we're all weird. Oh yeah, from masturbation, whatever. Everyone talks about it. Uh-huh. When I would go on the road, people go, "No one talks about that here." I don't talk about masturbation with my office mates, but I totally know what you're saying. I do that thing all the time. Like women are like that, and it. So I think, like, people in the country that aren't at UCB get this rap, like, oh, they maybe not they can't handle it, but they need, like, tight jokes. Right. But they do need tight jokes, but it can be about anything. They're, they're, they're game for anything. Hmm. And I found that people who maybe had, like, a prejudice, like, oh, here comes a girl or whatever. Right. She's just the opening act. I'm here for Greg. 
so willing to go on a ride within like two seconds. Hmm. So I came back and I actually started to have a harder time at UCB because I didn't want to just talk off the top of my head to these yeah. people that it was kind of a, I got not spoiled, but I got, I got undermined in my own confidence thinking I was weird because it, it just would sort of register at UCB, but not like, I realized how, how great the laughs can be when you get outside of a community of people that hmm. already are as weird as you are. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I kind of like being wrong. I like the I, I like that I've been in L.A. long enough that I can now uh, underestimate middle America. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, definitely it's just the style. I mean, definitely UCB or any theater, they're willing to let you go on a journey or mm-hmm. say, like, behind-the-scenes kind of things like Andy Kindler does, but right. like, oh, I forgot, or oh, who cares? I'm in a bad mood, or I'm not getting paid for this. Like, they can deal with that a little bit on the road, but they're just not conditioned, so they kind of don't know what's going on and i think it might scare them a little more Hmm. whereas people are so jaded at theaters or ucb that they're Uh just like oh i bet this is a bit because everyone lets you in on their on what they're thinking nowadays i think comics okay would would you say i mean it it sounds like the the sort of alt rooms and in the city or other cities it sounds like what you're saying tell me if i'm wrong is that it can it can be a help but it can also be a hindrance yeah like people can come to rely on it and only feel comfortable in, in that type of that type of place yeah i think hmm. it's a huge hindrance i remember louis ck was saying to me like go out there and do the comedy store and do the blah 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 club and this club and that club and it's like i'm willing to but it is just hard to get in them and especially as as like someone that they don't know you know it's like it's really hard to just bang on the door of the laugh factory and go i'm coming in the improv has been the biggest club in la that lets anybody not anybody but anybody go up that isn't like a road you know what I mean? They're like the, yeah. all the alt people go up there, and but uh, yeah, I think it's a hindrance. Like when I first started, obviously me and my friends weren't good enough to do clubs, so we started our own, and then we got comfortable there. And then I found out it was this thing called alternative comedy. I never intended to be that, and I just people always call me that now. And I'm, uh-huh. I do think it's a huge hindrance. When I was on the road, all the kids that were starting comedy were like waiters at the clubs and the owner would give them five minutes and I was like they're two years into comedy and they're so skilled with a crowd and I never had those skills until like a couple years ago Hmm. so it it is a hindrance but then again the other way can be a hindrance too I think you have to do both Hmm. um well David do you think it's time to get I think it's about time to get into it we are a movie podcast so uh let's talk about movies um what do we want to talk about? Let's talk about feminism and sexism in movies. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's we already that. said it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the the <laughs> secret's out. Of the bag, out. Didn't I? Oh, I know. Shoot. People uh, probably tuned out by now because <laughs> they don't care about this topic. I, I don't have I don't have a good like uh, segue. I don't know how to how to get into it. Jen, you're a woman. Just jump in. <laughs> How's jump that? in. I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's. You know what? Let, here's how we'll get into it. Okay. Uh, and we've talked about this on the show. B- before briefly, but now that it's the, the topic, let's talk about the let's talk about knocked up in mm-hmm. the and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, C- Catherine Heigl's uh, uh, words about it and uh, how do you, how do you feel about knocked up? Jen? I never saw it. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I know that's not helpful, but I thought her words were. Now that I know of her more through the media, like she kind of says whatever she wants, and mm-hmm. she might she might be an asshole. I have no idea. She seems like the more I've heard from her, she might be kind of an asshole. I think most actresses are kind of assholes in a way. So I did think it was kind of cool that she said that, Like, but I don't think it was as big a deal as people made it in the sense that 
I found it very interesting people's reaction like, well, then she shouldn't have made the movie. And it's like, you don't really know what's going to come out when you're making a movie. And mm -hmm. she obviously knew it was a guy's comedy. But I think you just don't know until you're shooting a scene when you feel... Like you said before, like when you watch someone else get laughs, you just yeah. feel bad sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's just like the ego of a performer. Women have it too. You just go, I want to be in on the fun. It's literally that simple. So I don't think it's so scandalous that she said that. Oh, my God, it ruined her career. Right. And I think a lot of people confuse sexism with like sexual harassment because a lot of the stuff I read <laughs> was people like, well, he was very nice to her and all that. And she's like, no, of course. Like, I'm sure they're, you know totally fine with each other she was probably just saying you know what it wasn't actually that fun for me as it was for everyone else we were having mm -hmm. two different experiences on set I, that's what i think because that's happened to me and so i, I see what she means especially oh go ahead i'm just gonna uh, the reaction to it like it becoming a big deal was almost kind of kind of sexist like she should be like she should be more grateful or something yeah she should be grateful or she should just not do it like that whole thing of like we'll avoid what you don't like i don't understand that like jump in see if you can affect it in any way yeah obviously make a movie i mean who wouldn't make a judd apatow movie in <laughs> 2007 yeah. like do you not want to have a house like she <laughs> needed to make a movie and jump out of you know gray's anatomy yeah and a, a part like that i mean it's yeah it's what you're talking about like in a comedy she's the one that isn't funny like she's yeah. the one who you know her, her role is definitely i she's definitely one of the leads but like her job is to move the story forward. Yeah. Um, whereas Seth Rogen's job is to react to her in a funny, you know, Lou Costello kind of way. Um, but, uh, you know, and it's an important role. And there, I think there's a lot to her. I think there's a significant amount to her character. Mm -hmm. I think the character is actually pretty strong. But in a comedy, when you're the only one who really isn't getting any laughs, and actually I'm sure some people could have, some guys who are who are like Seth Rogen in that film mm -hmm. probably watch it and like this woman's a bitch like I hate to yeah. put it that way but I I'm sure there probably were people like that out there and I think you know uh, David and I you know we discussed this seven, you know a few months ago I think and since then I've actually thought more about it and at the time I was not remarkably sympathetic to what she was saying but the mm -hmm. more I think about it, it's like yeah I mean it's just it's you know, you take you take the role because, like, oh, a like you said, a lead in a Judd Apatow film. Who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah. You know, because maybe you think you're going to get the Catherine Keener role in Forty Year Old Virgin, who is who gets her own laughs and stuff like that. And then you find that you're just the, sh as the, it would seem the shrill, yeah, you know, woman who's just but hormonal. It's not really. I like the character. I, mean, I know you haven't seen the film, but yeah. I think. I don't think the movie's sexist so much as it's it's more about the guy. So you see mm -hmm. more of his life, and right. you sort of see her only through what he's doing. But that's just what the movie's about. I don't think. But I I, I do want to talk about a movie that's similar, and I do think is sexist. A movie that I hate, uh, and it's similar reasons, and that's High Fidelity. Does everybody here like High oh, Fidelity? Oh, that's so funny that you think that's sexist. I remember loving it. I it's been a long time. I saw it. Um, I'd been this company I worked for in New York went under, and I spent every day in the movies. And I would see that. I saw that like three days in a row because I liked it so much. I don't know if I would like it now, but. I, I've hated that movie from day one. And, <laughs> you, sure, uh, you sure did. I remember, <laughs> I remember when I was talking to you on day one and uh, you, you just like, oh, blah, 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 blah. What did you think was sexist about it? Just that the. Well, it's sort of, it's the same sort of story as Knocked Up. I mean, not obviously there's not a baby or anything, but it's the same. 
relationship between the characters where as he's like this sort of just doesn't have his shit together. He's, you know, adolescent mm-hmm. and he needs uh this this woman to like break him out of it. But whereas Catherine Heigl seemed like a person you could get along with and a person you'd want to, you know, have a relationship with and 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 to have help you or whatever. Mm-hmm. This woman that she was kind of a stiff now that I look back on it. She's well, what she is, he obviously just needs uh, a mother. She's like a disciplinarian in that movie. She's, yeah. And she is kind of, she's shown as kind of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I, I just hated it because it, uh, I don't know, you can almost uh, call it anti-masculine and that this guy just can't get his own fucking shit together on his mm-hmm. own and he needs to have a mother figure in his life. So I think th- that movie just pisses me off in so many ways. Well, it's funny because that type of guy, wait, how old are you? 26. Oh, okay. So I'm 34. So what am I, eight years older? So maybe it's a generational thing in the sense that those type of guys, like when I was 26, that's what they were like. Like uh-huh. the total record store guy who's just like, you would love him in high school and college because he's so sensitive. He's so cool. And then as you get older, you go, oh, he's kind of a loser. Uh-huh. And so I related to it on that level of knowing guys like that and then also just feeling like him. I felt like I was kind of a wandering loser like him. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I was fine with it. But nowadays, the slacker guy just seems more crude, if that makes any sense. Like, maybe that's why I'm like, oh, I don't know. High fidelity seems fine to me. Uh-huh. It just, I don't, I don't remember there being crudeness in it. Right. I could be totally wrong. But that's yeah, I interesting. I, she was kind of a stiff, like, business character. Yeah. The, the girlfriend. And she was like, you know, there's, I haven't seen it in a while, but I think there were like storylines where she was, and this is standard with any mm-hmm. kind of breakup, but she was like, telling her friends or telling their mutual friends like one thing that may not have been completely true and it of course paints him as the worst guy ever yeah and uh and he you know and he gets the opportunity to tell the audience his side of the story she does not now i mean he's the main character it's not like knocked up it's not like two leads he's definitely the lead and she's Mm -hmm. more supporting Mm -hmm. and he's he's talking directly to the camera as well but uh but yeah i mean everything you know, I I remember one of your problems at the time, David, was you're like, why does he even want to get back with this woman? I mean, he, it, the movie spends so much time painting yeah. her as so negative. Why, you know, maybe spend a little bit of positive time at the very least so we can root for them to perhaps get back together or whatever it is. Well, there was an interesting article, and I think it, like on the basic storytelling level, like maybe mm-hmm. they want to get back together because opposites attract, blah, blah, blah. But the, this guy, I think it was David Denby in The New Yorker, did a great review of like kind of the Apatow generation, not generation, but uh-huh. whatever has happened over the past two years. And he's like, I get it, opposites attract, but it's so polarizing now. It used to be like more subtle, like Bogey and Bacall and all these people in the olden mm-hmm. days where the woman was like feisty, the yeah. guy was feisty, they fought. It went back and forth, the powers shifted back and forth, and that's why you were rooting for them to be together because they were opposite but they were similar and you were like, it was almost like a David and Maddie on Moonlighting is probably like the last yeah. great example of like yeah. total equality in like someone's a slacker, but she's also an idiot too and gets to be funny. So I think that that's like, I don't know what this new thing is of like. Yeah, Catherine Hepburn. Is was, it just bad I mean, writers? All she did was play those types of roles. I mean, she, you know, she won like a million Oscars yeah. and, just, and because she just played like. Really, even like you said, even characters that aren't that bright or are constantly making the lives of, <laughs> of the men she's with uh, pure, pure hell, like in bringing up baby, like she was always incredibly likable and just as strong, if not, uh, if not 
a stronger character than the man that she was, uh, you know, working with. And and yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I can't. It's weird. It's something that I that that I've talked about uh, in the past, though. I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast. Is that like every year? Like I like I I obsess about the Oscars, and every year, mm-hmm. like when you're when I'm trying to predict, like okay, what do I think is going to be nominated for Oscars? The best actor category. It's like how am I going to pick just five best actors? You're like, okay, uh, let's see what uh, we can find. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, there's just kind of it's been such a standard thing everybody kind of accepts it but nobody really thinks about it like yeah there's not very many good leading roles for women there's good supporting roles because there's always gonna you know there's always gonna be like a you know a kathy bates or a judy dench out there and also when there are good roles it's you know people on the male side paul giamatti and philip seymour hoffman not traditionally attractive people can get great roles yeah right but on the female side, you got like a movie this year, like The Duchess, which probably could have been a great role, and then they stick fucking Kira Knightley in it, who cannot yeah. act at all. She's Hang on actress. now, I think she can be a good actress. She was good in Pride and Prejudice, but no. at the very least, she acts like she's not anorexic. She doesn't do a very good job. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not buying it. Um, I think she's pretty good in Pride and Prejudice, but yes, it would have been inter- more interesting to see what somebody else could do with that role. Um, I think, too, to win an Oscar as a woman, it's like you have to wear this crazy prosthetics and act like you're a yeah, crazy psychopath right. killer or boys don't cry. I mean, these are great roles. But I think with male, you know, you don't have to be so – it doesn't have to be this huge character or transformation. It can just be very good acting that's kind of, you know, on the level. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's always like they did these grand extravagant things. But what about just like an honest and if, scene? And if you look at like – for the most part, I'm not going to say every year, but if you look at like the history of like I'd say the last 25 years of who has won Best Actress, it's almost always a masculine role, you know, or oh, interesting, or, or like a musical. A, what was that? Or a musical, or, or is that a different category? Uh, that's, well, that's uh, I, there isn't a musical category uh, in there is for the Golden Globes. Oh, okay, but uh, but like you know, Boys Don't Cry, mm-hmm. and then like the next year is Aaron Brockovich, where it's like yes, she's embracing her womanhood, but she's also in, quote unquote like a in a man's you know <laughs> she's also in a man's world and she's yeah. you know and like and I don't remember like some of the other ones but it's always you know like it, it's always like intermingled with like this weird kind of masculinity whether it is you know like million dollar baby another Hillary Swank one where it's like she's doing very unwomanly things you know yeah interesting and, like to me one of the and I've said it a million times on the podcast but like like one of the best female roles of the last 10 years was Laura Linney and you can count on me because mm-hmm. there's it's just a is going to sound kind of weird it's just a woman just being a woman she's not out trying to prove herself no that's in, exactly what I was know. saying yeah just great acting right yeah very realistic she doesn't have to pretend that she's you know a drug addict killer psycho right you know <laughs> well there's that as well yes. yeah <laughs> um yeah and I you know it's it's odd the, the you mentioned the prosthetic thing like it I, I, I now believe Charlize Theron to be a good actress. At yeah, the time, I great. thought it was a fluke. And yeah. then I saw her in North Country, which is a subpar movie, but she's really good in it. Um, Same with Monster, subpar movie. But, she's good in it. Right. Yeah. But, like, part, I remember at the time, like, why didn't they just get, I hate to say it, why didn't they just get an unattractive actress? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I imagine, like, Charlize Theron, she's fine with work. You know, she, she's yeah. getting plenty of roles. Why not get somebody who's not that attractive and... Give her a chance to shine. It's funny, though, because I feel like you can't, like, curse people if they happen to be beautiful. Like, she had a messed up life. Her mom killed her dad because 
he was abusing her and like mm. I think she's very real and down to earth from what yeah. I perceive I don't know her yeah. but someone like Johnny Depp too like really hot and gorgeous loves to be Edward Scissorhands and the pirate like loves mm -hmm. the pirate <laughs> Jack Sparrow like he loves to put crazy stuff on him and act weird because he yeah. truly doesn't his insides don't match up with his outsides. He doesn't right. feel like being this beautiful guy. And she probably, maybe she has a little bit of the same thing. So I like when they're like authentically people like that yeah. come along and it's fun to watch them transform. But yeah, in general, you know that it's coming from the top down. Like, right. no, we can't have a real ugly person. Yeah, that would be, a, that'd be atrocious. <laughs> it would be depressing <laughs> to yeah, know that this movie, person yeah. doesn't really go home at night and take all this makeup off. Yeah, we get yeah, the movie's one thing. we got to make sure to have Charlize Theron sitting next to Leno. <laughs> That's going to get people into the theater. Oh, now. interesting. That's totally true. Um, you know, and now, David, when you when you uh, thought of this uh, topic, did you want to keep it just to actresses, or did you want to move to, like, directors as well? I, well, I've got... Uh, well, no, you say, say what you're going to say. Oh, <laughs> not, okay. It's our show, No, I guess, mine. You know what? You're right. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Get the hell out of my office. <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, and that's that's another thing. I'd say even more so with uh, than with actresses because, you know, you're always going to need a, an actress. I mean, you may not have as many parts, but you're always going to need them. Whereas, like, I mean, I can, off the top of my head, I can only think of, like, like four or five, like, consistently working female directors. Mm -hmm. um, and, like... Not everybody's a big fan of Sofia Coppola's work, but I, I think bring that up. but I think she's a great director because she's not she's not just like, you know, a journey woman director. Like she actually does put her own stamp and regardless of whether you like it or not, you can always tell when she's made mm -hmm. her, you know, uh when she's made the movie, you know, she has a definite visual style, her, you know, the her soundtrack choices. Um, and also just the the stories that she's telling they're always very strong female stories but they don't but you know they don't push it that hard like you very much feel for for Scarlett Johansson lost in translation but I Bill Murray also has a strong role like yeah. you don't have to have one or good the or bad other, person you know? yeah well I was thinking that too because there's usually so few women at a time in the spotlight as a director or writer mm -hmm. that it always seems like there's a good reason to hate them like even with Hillary Clinton in the election it's like I want to call sexism on some of the coverage of her and right. then I go well she is a Clinton and that's seen to some people as evil as being a Bush right. so it's like technically I'm like ah, I'd have to see like five women in the race and see how they're all handled uh -huh. there always seems to be a great enough reason to hate this person that I go well but the, you know, it's like it, it seems like people are all too happy to find a good reason to hate them. Like with Sofia yeah. Coppola when she won, everyone was like, "She didn't even direct." Bill Murray made up all his lines. She sucks. She's a fraud. Blah blah blah. Right. And I'm like, really? Like, well, what if she is? Like, isn't that okay? A good movie came out. Like, what if a guy was a fraud? Would that be called out? Right. Is she a fraud? Give me the proof. I respect that she has all this money and could have been like a Paris Hilton and instead went to work right. with it. And then this woman uh, that wrote Juno, which I didn't see. Diablo but Cody. it's like, ah, she was a hooker. She was a this. I don't even know if she was a hooker, a stripper. She a was a stripper. stripper. Call girl. Okay. So it's like, isn't that interesting? Pick them up by the bootstraps or is it bad? Do they hate her because she's a woman? I don't know. But it always seems a little weird. Just a little weird. I just don't care for a style of writing. It has nothing to do with her being a stripper. I know, and I believe better. that, yeah. Okay. But it just seemed like all the coverage of it was like, oh, she's a, you know, some, I don't know. I didn't see the movie, and I, from what people have told me, they're like, don't go, you will hate it, and you won't like the writing. Yeah, I think you would I, probably yeah, dislike yeah. it. But, um, but I, 
you know, I hated it, but you know, Diablo, Diablo Cody writes uh, occasional columns for Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, and I really like them. Oh, that's In that good. forum, <laughs> she's really good. She's really solid. It's when she has to make characters sound different. Um, that's a great <laughs> a great example then. But like, but I do remember like a, a lot of the campaign uh, around you know the the Oscar campaign around Juno. So much. I mean the writer got more press than the director. Now he wound up being nominated too. Mm-hmm. But everyone was like, cause like they, they viewed like the whole stripper story as more, a more, a positive things. Like, yeah. Oh, look at what she did. Oh, what a fascinating America story. It's like, what about this? What about the script she wrote? Well, yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. Like she, look at this. Oh, look at this woman. Oh, it's such a strong feminist tale. Is it, is it good though? Hang on. Is it good? Oh, but who cares? We could totally win an Oscar here. Yes. And I know. I hate being treated either way as a woman, right. like with kid gloves or with, you know, total disdain. It's very weird. Yeah. Now, David, I know you're a big fan of Jane Campion and I'm not sure if I've seen any of her films. Well, I wanted to, I mean, uh, I thought uh, I was thinking about sort of dividing the show with the because we've been talking about sexist movies for a little bit, okay, and then going into feminist movies because oh, I okay. hold Jane came in for that because okay. there's a couple more things I want to get out of the way. Okay, uh, you want to well, work your way to Jane Campion. Well, quickly, you mentioned female directors, and I want to talk about uh, a woman who works uh, often is Nancy Myers. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she made What Women Want, which I think is just terrible, and it's both a terrible movie and terribly Ugh. sexist. Not in that. I mean, certainly, like, the Marissa Tomei character is just an awful representation of anything <laughs> in that movie. I fucking but love that movie <laughs> totally ironically, right. but I will watch it over and over. My wife loves that movie unironically. Uh-oh, uh-oh. But to me, just the idea that there is, just the title alone, it just treating women as a thing. Like, there's one thing, and you just have to figure out the code, or, you know, have to have the yeah. key, is so insulting. Uh, insulting, I'm sure, to women, but also to me... As a man, like, I have to, uh, I don't know, as if it's supposed to be simple for me. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that's the greatest part about when you're smart, like, you are, like, sexism doesn't just hurt women, it hurts men, and Mm -hmm. racism hurts everyone. I mean, it really is, like, to everyone's advantage to kind of get on board with equality or to notice this stuff. But, yeah, it is kind of an insulting movie. I wrote, um, I used to write for Suicide Girls, you know, the website. Uh And I used to write like political or entertainment columns for them, and uh, I wrote a column about how it's like the greatest movie to watch when you're sick, and it sparked this whole <laughs> debate of like bad movies that we love because I had like pneumonia last year, and I watched it like three times, <laughs> and I called my fiance in the room. I'm like, you have to see this movie all the way through if you haven't, and he's like, oh my god. I mean, it's because it's so stupid, but yeah, no. I've probably watched it more than movies I love. <laughs> which is just that's my personality but yeah i mean it is totally insane that a woman made that and didn't she also make the sweetest thing or that cameron diaz movie where she, she falls down i never and saw that to be goofy. Movie, so. i don't remember that's another one of my rent when i'm sick stupid movies i think it's the same woman okay. who makes i mean she's like the sarah palin of movies like she's not a good <laughs> example of feminism or right. even smart yeah, um, and well, I guess that. But if she wants to hire me for anything, I'm available. Right? Yeah. No, you have not. You've not come out. I, hey, you love Sarah Palin. You're saying the a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, we can spin that. <laughs> but uh, and I guess that's. Uh, I guess maybe that could lead to another uh, another discussion. Shoot, there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects to this, David. Yeah. Um, no rush. Just, <laughs> and I think you've mentioned it before on the show that um, that there's that. When Sex and the City came out, the movie, mm-hmm. like, it made all kinds of money. And granted, it was based on a TV show that people liked. 
but you know, it was a movie that was for women. I and I don't remember. It came out the same same weekend as was it I The Dark Knight? I, I think it was like another something huge movie. big that was kind of like right. male skewed. Yeah, right. and so it wound up you know being the second one, of course, because you can't beat action movies and um, box office wise. I mean, mm-hmm. and so you know, and and it got everyone thinking. It's like maybe we should start marketing to women. Maybe we should do that. You know, and they. And, the, you know, uh, there was just article after article in, like, Entertainment Weekly mm-hmm. and, like, various other magazines that I read where it's just like, it's like, wow, it turns out women like seeing movies. And it's like, yeah, I could, you know, I, could, I don't see these movies and I could have told you that. Yeah. And it's just. Yeah. It's, now they just need to work on making the movies good. That's the that step this, two. The same discussion happened, was it last year or the year before when The Devil Wears Prada came out? Yeah. Uh-huh. Which, that's going to lead me into another topic. Uh, I, I hate The Devil Wears Prada. Uh-huh. I like to watch the outfits. I've seen that movie like ten times. <laughs> um, and I'm going to lump this in because I want to get to Reese Witherspoon in a second because I have things to say about her. Uh, <laughs> but I want. I have opinions on her too. I don't know why. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to lump Devil Wears Prada in with Sweet Home Alabama, Ugh. which are both movies that that uh, put forth the idea that a woman should be more content with love and friendship than with with business. That 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 being a professional and that being successful in business is distracting from what's important. I mean, there are plenty of... Great analysis. I actually didn't think of that with Devil Wears Prada. And there are, pl- there are plenty That's of, true. like, movies in which a man learns that as well, but, like, with, a with like, a woman, like, she really has to become cold and Seems like we're more comfortable and, with that, yeah. Right. But then again, I do... I did have a similar experience as Anne Hathaway in that movie. I did work at Donna Karen in, in New York. That was one of my temp hmm. jobs. And it was like that. Like, really judgmental... I didn't know what to wear. I had no money. The gay guy did not take me into the back room and give me a makeover. He basically made fun of me every day, and nobody <laughs> helped me. But the heads of the, they weren't even so. There's Donna a gay Karen. guy who works at Donna Karen. Yeah. Wow. He was like, "Are you wearing <laughs> socks with loafers?" No. Like he was horrible. <laughs> and I used to go downstairs to the deli on my way in and get my own bagel and coffee. And they're like, "Oh my god, we ordered that here." And they come up and bring it to us. Like, do not bring your own food in here. Like it looks like you're peasant or something. I mean, there are all these weird rules that I didn't know about, and I never met Donna Karen, but even, like, the buyers and the heads of this small department were horrible people. So uh-huh. I think the one exception is just that the fashion world is nasty, and that Anna Winter that is suppo- that Meryl Streep was, you know, representing is a nasty old bitch. She's, like, a horrible person. <laughs> so I really think in that case, that just happens to be a horrible person, the way yeah. that maybe Donald Trump is probably a horrible person. I don't yeah. know. But um, but yeah, that's interesting that you said that. Like, I think definitely people are more comfortable watching the woman like go back to her boyfriend, and I'm gonna yeah. put back on my dowdy sweater. Yeah, especially with Sweet Home Alabama, because the Josh Lucas character is completely unappealing. He's yeah. Just, yeah, he's just a guy with a nice smile, but he like. Well, that's I don't think his the smile the is nice, David. In the Devil Wears Prada, that guy from Entourage, what a terrible part. He didn't do anything. He was like wallpaper. He was yeah. just like going along with everything, and that was like I, kind of an emasculating role. It just was stupid. I don't know if he's got the goods to bring anything. It might just be his acting. Yeah. yeah. But um, I want to talk about Reese Witherspoon for a second, mm-hmm. and then we'll get into feminist movies. But this is kind of a transition, because I, it seems to me that Reese Witherspoon in life is probably a good role model. Yeah. She's, you know, she started Type A Productions. She produces a lot of her own stuff. She's... She's very successful in business, mm-hmm. and then she makes movies like Sweet Home Alabama and Legally Blonde, which are terrible role models. I don't know if I have the right to say that, not being a woman, but mm-hmm. they. It's, 
I hate both those movies, and it's it, it's like it's like it stings a little more because I think that Reese Witherspoon's probably a really smart, cool, good person. Well, yeah. and, as, and as much as I like Election, <laughs> like yeah. what kind of role model is that? You know, but I think Election is at least it's more farcical, uh, right? Yeah, right. but also yeah. I think the character in Election there, there's no there's no like I don't know girl powerness to it. Like the Tracy right. Flick is not supposed to represent anything. She's just happens character. to be a right. shitty. Yeah, and person. that's yeah. the way, and that's the way it should be. Like I'm thinking of we talked about High Fidelity. You know, uh, another Nick Hornby movie is about a boy. Yeah, where the the Tony Collette character is certainly not a good role model. She's a, right. a fucking lunatic. Right, but she's not supposed to stand in for anything. She's not supposed to represent anything more right. than just the character, and that's fine. But then you, when you have movies like Legally Blonde, which are I, I don't understand because it does have this whole like girl power type of mentality to it, but in mm. a completely misguided way, like a pussycat doll's girl power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she might not be smart enough about that stuff, or it might not be her like platform. I mean, honestly. Well, now I, I will say that uh, in Walk the Line, she mm-hmm. does you know, and of course that's a movie she won the Oscar for. But like, she does a really good job of like, you know, it's it's almost like she plays a similar type of part to Catherine Heigl and Knocked mm-hmm. Up, where she's the one who's trying to keep this guy who is much, who's, you know, very appealing, and a lot of people like him, he's very charismatic, um, trying to keep him, like, down to earth and keep him grounded, and she's the one that keeps him off the pills and all that kind of thing. Um, but that, but she's not, def- but the difference is that she, you don't view her as truest. In fact, you actually are more in her corner than his. And right, and you see that she's talented, and she has right. her flaws, and she's not, and she's funny. Yeah, I mean, she's very much that could have been a supporting character if they did it wrong, but they didn't. They made her every bit as much of a lead because she, while she's responding to a lot of things that he does, she also is not defined by her relationship with him. She's got her own thing, mm-hmm. and she's a. Re- it's a really strong character, and I think you know. I think it. You know, it's probably. Heading Reese Witherspoon in a in a good direction, and maybe she had to do Legally Blonde so she could, you know, do the stuff she wanted to do. Finally. Let's hope. But you know, the interesting part is, of course, it's based on real person. R- that's true. So it's like, does Hollywood have the brain power to come up with a dynamic character like a June Carter, right. or do right. we have to wait until that person exists and then we go spend a week with them and we interview them and then we re- represent them and then. Nothing and, good comes out again. And also, cl- I mean, clearly that came from like, we want to make a movie about Johnny Cash. I guess this woman's a big part of it. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, my sister knows the some of the Cash family or the Bev, whatever his first wife was. And she said in that movie they totally misrepresented her. Oh, yeah, yeah. And just made her seem like a total freak show. (laughs) It was just like jealous and angry. And I guess I don't think that was more feminism, though. I think that was just to represent, like, so that you could forgive him for cheating and go, oh, he's meant to be with the musician. So I don't think that's like an example of sexism, but it is interesting. A lot of people didn't like that part. Right. Um, Okay. So should we... we Turn the page here and and talk about some more positive movies. Talk about feminism. Talk Tur- about turn the page. David. Turn it. Yeah. Go like, to the like future. Bob like Bob Seger. Seger. <laughs> turn the page. Well, you mentioned Jane Campion. Yeah. I'll talk about Jane Campion because Please I do because uh, I can't. <laughs> you never know, saw the piano. Oh. I didn't see the piano. Okay. Oh, have you seen uh, Portrait of a Lady? No. I really don't see a lot of movies, okay. so it's not uh, that I don't like these films. I just haven't seen. Them. Well, I want to talk. Portrait of a Lady is is, is really great, um, but I want to talk specifically about the piano mm-hmm. and about In the Cut, which In the Cut is, in my opinion, one of the most under, underrated movies of this decade. It got <laughs> it came out in like two thousand three, and mm-hmm. it got so panned 
and nobody saw it, and I just loved it. And I think both both the piano and oh, I'm sad that you haven't seen these. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have Netflixed them. <laughs> I will. I'll put them on my Netflix. Uh, then that won't help this moment at all. But <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how 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 that promise is like. I'll put it on my queue. That actually does smooth things over a little bit with people. I know it's you can't. There's nothing in politics that you can like <laughs> use as it. Oh well, um, I'll I'll put that. Put yeah, that on the agenda. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, David. I no, yeah, I've got because I've got three Netflix queues because you can get three yeah. movies. So and you can only get 500 in queue, but I got. I had more than 500 movies I want to watch. Yeah. So I separated it in three wow. So I've got 1,500 movies. So whenever someone says, hey, have you seen Yojimbo or something that I haven't seen? I'd be like, no, but it's in my queue. Like, I'm going to get to <laughs> oh, it. Oh, wow. But I've got 1,500 movies. I'm I have like four, so I'm more, <laughs> I'm more sincere. <laughs> but, um, okay, so The Piano and In the Cut, they're both, uh, in a way, I guess you could call them. I, I think it'd be wrong to call them. I, I don't know. What's the word for something that's anti-male? Is that is there a word for that? Emasculating or male bashing? I don't know if there's yeah. a word. Male hating. There's got to be. A there's got to be a clinical term for yeah. it. Yeah, but I, I guess you you could accuse them of being that. But more, uh, the the piano and in the cut are both almost sort of like horror films in mm-hmm. that they're about, uh, like just how. In in like a in a male dominated society, how vulnerable and scary it can be to be a, a woman, and especially to be an attractive woman. Yeah. Uh, and you know she picks actresses like Holly Hunter and Meg Ryan, uh, respectively, people who are you know very diminutive. Yeah. Uh, and uses that to great effect. And uh, I like I, I'm not going to talk at great length about it because you guys haven't seen it. Sorry. But uh, uh, in the cut, if you were. You know, it, if you're a sensitive guy like me, yeah, and you're able to empathize, <laughs> it's a pretty terrifying movie. Yeah, I think it's interesting though too that like when there are men that are like that that did happen at great length in our society. Nobody's making these movies saying like there's a lot men are like, but uh-huh. there is a sensitivity to that. Like people tend to kind of turn away from those and go like, I've heard a lot of people call certain things male bashing, and I'm like, but it's just representing like a thing that, I mean, yeah. it's a real thing mm-hmm. that happens. And I don't think anyone's opinion is being inserted into it. But I don't know. I didn't see it, so maybe. That's something that I, I guess we can bring this up. And I think we've mentioned it before. That's something that I have always been instinctively, like, defensive mm-hmm. of. Like, whenever I feel like a movie is trying to, like, r- quote-unquote represent men, mm. like, with this one negative character, I'm always like, I am not like that. Totally. The, and I And you know what? I would say David, for the most part, is not like that. But, like, you know, and most of my friends aren't like that. <laughs> what? That's a joke yeah. at your expense. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so, like, I instinctively am just like, I'm not at all like that. But then I, you know, and so, but then I think back to, like, you know, the Hollywood of, of old, or more specifically, like, women represented on TV, like, you know, Lucille Ball and stuff like that. And they just, they were... So frequently, I won't say often because you know, like even in the honeymooners, like the guy was the dumb one. But, yeah. Um, but they were often viewed as just like, just like children. Like Ricky yeah, Ricardo yeah. had to always take care of his wife because she probably did something awful. Yeah. You know, and just like, uh, just eats all those chocolates because women love chocolate, and like, um, and it's just so like I every time I get like furious that like it's perfectly acceptable. In fact to be to be uh, laughed at when like Ray Romano's wife verbally abuses him on yeah, that yeah. show um 
you know, like every time I think of that, I'm like, you know what? This is how it was, you know, for women, you know, uh, a while ago. So maybe this is what men have to go through for a while. Then maybe it'll balance out. I hope it does balance out because I think one of the problems of the women's movement was there wasn't really a clause for men in there. Like, Mm -hmm. like what happens to that whole role that's like instinctive to their identity, like provider, blah, blah, blah. I think it really took a toll on like their psychological health and like no one's really addressing it because it seems so stupid. But then you end up, as a result of that, getting movies that are supposed to be good, like uh, that men are supposed to rally around, that end up offending me even more than what you're talking about. And I'm talking specifically about Fight Club here. Ugh. And, and other movies, uh, but Fight Club in, in, in particular, just a movie that's supposed to be about this is, you know, this is what it means to be a man, and it's right. so insulting. It's like, oh, and the feminization of our culture. Let's embrace the worst things about masculinity. Yeah, let's ever. go the opposite, like right. Tom Likas route. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Why can't masculinity just be about fucking, like, personal responsibility and confidence? Why does it have right. to be about being violent? And Yeah, that's such a good point, because women, they love, like, they love a sensitive guy to a degree. Like, if you're not a doormat and you're sensitive, mm-hmm. that's perceived as very masculine to a lot of women. Hmm. I think. For the women I know. I'll have to keep that in mind. I'm already married, but, I, you know, I can, yeah, I can always for the be future. a better husband. <laughs> but, exactly. Uh, but, uh, now, David, how long have we been going for here? Uh, we're good. Okay. All right. Just make, Sorry. <laughs> Are we, you bored? No, it's just we got somewhere to, you know, we got people coming into this office oh, pretty right. soon. Oh. So. Um, well, okay. We talked about Jane Campion. Um, it's because I'm a woman that... <laughs> you have other people coming in <laughs> exactly they want to <laughs> cut this thing short you've talked about this too long um well let's okay I, stick talking with directors mic, David, when you're looking at your notes it, i am talking to the mic you were like over here whatever <laughs> all right uh what about pedro almodovar does anybody want to talk about him you can talk about him i don't yeah. know him <laughs> um well then again i won't i won't go into much <laughs> detail but he's uh, a spanish director who uh-huh. made uh, all about my mother and and talked to her and, oh okay. Uh, and Volver recently. Yeah, these are his more recent films, but he made some great films back in the 1980s, like Live Flesh and mm-hmm. uh, stuff, uh, Law of Desire, stuff like that. Um, and he's uh, a guy who, really, up until, uh, especially, I, I mean, talk to her is almost all men in the movie, but up until then, all his main characters were female, and he, uh, you know, he was known for. Uh, Getting good performances out of Penelope Cruz, which no one else has been able to. <laughs> do. Um, God, I feel like I've been really mean this episode. You have been very mean, David. <laughs> you, need to, you need to. It is my allergies. Right, yeah. Right. Um, so, uh, well, I guess we can't really d- discuss him, but he's a. Uh, well, you can discuss. He's, him, yeah. he's a guy who, um, both uh, certainly he showcases good female characters, but also as someone like myself who was raised Catholic. Were you? Yes, I was. Okay. And Spain being a very sort of Catholic type of country, or yeah. at least being rooted in that, the way that he uses that and sort of uh, flouts it—is that a word that I'm looking? For? Is that the word I'm looking for? Touts uh, it? No. Flouts. Flounces it? Not. It's not flaunts, but he okay. he, he sort of sticks his tongue out at the, at the Catholicism. Oh, okay. A okay. Bit. Uh, it's 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 very effective, and I think as someone who hates the fact that he was raised Catholic, it's very liberating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, uh, you know his movies have you know transvestites and and nuns with AIDS and all kinds of just stuff that I like it. <laughs> nice, <laughs> I uh, didn't know that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's move on. Okay, let's talk about a movie that I'm hoping you've seen. Uh, how about Thelma and Louise? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. 
I feel no, like I've what? only seen the worst movies, but I think <laughs> that's movies. what happens. I, I didn't. I don't think it's the worst movie, okay. but but it's just seems like silly movie. But it seems not as intellectual as some of the other movies we've discussed that I haven't seen. But what do you think of Thelma and Louise as a feminist statement, which it's often pointed to as? Right. Um, I think I saw it in college when I was in my rah-rah feminist stage. And I like, you know, I don't know. As, uh, as a movie, I liked it as a feminist statement. I liked it as like a representation of a woman's story in Hollywood. I mean, I know people have been abused, and it's. I think it's definitely, if it's something that's happening... Then let's talk about it. Like mm-hmm. I, I it doesn't bother me at all. I don't know why they had to drive up a cliff at the end, but <laughs> I think it was supposed to be just as romantic as like the Sundance Kid. Like I right, think it was right. just supposed to be like, I don't know. I don't think it's that bad. Now I actually had a question. This mm. is actually about you. Like you actually. Oh, just we're mentioned. done with Thumb and Louise. Well, I'll bring it back to okay. Thelma and Louise, yeah, but right back. now I want to find out because I I view Thelma and Louise as I do view it as a as a very feminist movie it was directed by a man uh ridley scott which is you know kind of you know you could probably talk about that but like i i view it as like a kind of a one of the earlier like truly feminist movies i know that it's not even that early Mm -hmm. but it's one of the first ones i think of when you know you talk about feminist cinema and that was only what 90 91 uh yeah yeah i think it was early 90s yeah but and much and and i would say like as is often the case with the f- with one of the first of something, it's not very subtle. No, you know, and so I don't know. And so, like, it would be I like if curious. you made a race riot movie. Like, right. we know that's bad. Right. And here's an example. You know, and <laughs> yeah. it's like you know, it's like uh, when the Lost Weekend. It's the one of the first movies to deal with alcoholism, and as such, it's not very subtle. But that doesn't keep it from being good. It's just everything that it is saying is it's just right out there. You know? Yeah. Um. And there's you know, and and hats off to. Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon for creating strong characters out of not stereotypes, but out of uh, ideas. Yeah. You know, Um, but what I was curious uh, about was like, um, like you mentioned that you're, you know, you're, as you say, you're rah, rah, pro feminist Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, Now you spoke about that in the past tense. Like what, like what, what would you say you are now? And like, why, what moved you like out of your, as you say, rah rah feminist stage. Oh, I think it was just because I was so angry. I'm not like angry about it anymore. I'm just kind okay. of I notice things, but like I mean, it was like in your face, just the way you are in college with anything that you feel is your identity. Like it was just a little intense. Like okay. I'm going to a bikini girl bikini kill concert, and I'm, you know, like that '90s grunge feminism. Like I'm running slut right. on my stomach, like that kind of stuff. It mm-hmm. was just like it pervaded every single second of my day, okay. and even little things like I'm hooking up with nerdy guys in college that don't really know how to like deal with women. That's sexism. Like everything was sexism to me. Like that's okay. what I meant by rah rah. But um, so the fact that I was okay with that movie back then okay. means I probably like it. Okay. But one quick thing I want to say is that for me, like that's an example of feminism that everyone can get on board with and go, right. that's wrong. Don't beat a woman. Everyone loves a comeback kid kind of story. Uh-huh. The type that I deal with now is so insipid that you don't know it is it, I think, unless you're a woman and you just feel it in your gut. Like mm-hmm. the way that if your apartment got broken into and you're walking around and you're just, it's a sense of dread and it's like, fuck. Like, it's a feeling. It is mm-hmm. not an actually intellectual thought. It's nothing I can see. And that's what makes it so hard to talk about, especially with like the Katherine Heigl and Judd Apatow type stuff. It's like, 
it's really up for discussion and it's sometimes very painful as a woman not now but to have that discussion like on the message boards I take myself off it because it's just nothing I can convey it's kind of like right. you had to be there like I've worked on a TV show where the guys were amazing liberal if I was their girlfriend they'd be like you be a feminist honey I'm a feminist too but on set I didn't get any funny lines mm-hmm. and there was a different camaraderie I was all alone and it was different. And in a lot of the scenes, they were like, I'm so sorry, but you have to wear laundry in the scene. We have to make out with you. Like, it wasn't to be, I mean, they were the coolest guys. We're all still friends. But it's just what happens when boys get together to play. Hmm. And girls are socialized differently. So it was like one of those things where there was one sketch where I had all the laugh lines and the guys got really insecure. Hmm. And we had to keep every, after every cut and every take, it was like, soothe their ego, soothe their ego. Like, don't worry about it. You're being funny, but it's just Jen has a laugh. I mean, and then hmm. that sketch never aired. So it's like... Yeah. That kind of feeling, like I would go home and cry, whereas my guy friends on the sh- on the TV show would call me and go, isn't this the time of our lives? And I'm like, not really. Yeah. But in general, it was. Because like, hey, I got to be on a TV show. But it just, that's what I'm talking about, but you can't put your finger on it. So it's almost like, you know, this might be a little too reductive, but it's almost like Thelma and Louise is almost like Crash is for racism. Yes. Where it's the kind of race, it's like, yeah, nobody's ra- very few people are racist in the way these characters are. Yeah. You know, and everybody can get on board and be like, well, I'm not that and I don't want to be that. Exactly. It's like, but it's the subtle kind that needs to be addressed, the awkward kind that maybe you can't even verbalize in a really obvious way. It just needs to be a very slight kind of thing. Exactly. Um, That's, I think, the most dangerous one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I guess the reason that I was asking why, why I was like equating like the really kind of hard kind of the hard line obvious feminism of Thelma and Louise like mm-hmm. why I was asking about uh yours at the time is I was wondering if it was a function of the time that it was made I mean it was after you know it was a very it was after a very conservative yeah time you know Reagan and then four years of Bush so that was like 12 solid years and it just it made you wonder if like you know there was a very much kind of a female or just kind of a liberal in general just surge it's like we need to make something that's just very like no this is bad even if it is obvious but we need to say it yeah i think that's why it was good and and effective and not something that i would really criticize because it came after like a lot yeah Mm -hmm. like a big 12-year oppression not oppression but you know right right yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i uh the idea that conservatism more sexist than than liberals is is uh it's a false premise yeah it's sort of like say it's sort of like the idea that the South is more racist than any other part of the country. Right. It, it, it's everywhere. Right. It's so everywhere. I just to say that. No, it's totally true. Some of the most liberal guys I've ever met are totally clueless. But, uh. <laughs> and it might just be like I could see it being just a different type of sexism. Like almost like you were talking about earlier, like either like it's just they're like you're either like maybe even a little hostile towards women or you treat them so much with kid gloves. It's like that doesn't that's yeah. not helping either you know a lot of guys the show i worked on they would say to this other girl that was on the show god she was a nerd but she was just really pretty mm. and they're like you're the type of girl in high school that wouldn't date me she's like that's not true i would have i'm a yeah. nerd but they wouldn't believe her cause she was good looking and it was like hmm. we would just sit in the dressing room and bitch to the costume person all day long <laughs> and um it was just that kind of thing and it's like it happens on saturday night live it, ha- it just happens everywhere hmm. and um i just think it's it's nothing on purpose. It's just 
you've yeah. got a bunch of nerdy boys that played together growing up. They didn't like girls or girls didn't like them. It's kind of hard for them to just all of, ex- all of a sudden accept them as playmates. Mm-hmm. I don't mean like playboy playmates, but right, no. but making playtime together. Those are easy to accept. Yeah, Let those are you. fine. Do you think it's more, di- is it more difficult for men to make that adjustment than women? Yeah, women are like whatever. Like I played with, I mean, I had a very non- gender specific except for taking ballet a very gender non-specific upbringing so to me i don't know i'm a woman until people constantly remind me like in the comedy <laughs> world or you know every stupid little thing or on this podcast no this yeah. is fine because we're having a discussion <laughs> but like when i was on the road with greg people always thought i was his wife and the mm. owners of the club uh. would go where's your opener she's gonna be here we're starting in five minutes and he oh, goes wow. jen and they go haha stop kidding i mean Every night of that, it just <laughs> so you're getting on stage already angry about that. It right. just sort of you've got to have a lot of strength to not let it bother you and to you know get on stage or on set with one foot already in the mud and hmm. you feel like you're sinking like that. That's very dramatic, but yeah, you know it can just get like it can make you want to get ugly after a while hmm. and just be man haiti. <laughs> man haiti, but right. you know I know that's not good for anybody. I'd say that's probably something to to avoid if yeah. you can, but uh, you know it's understandable. I say it's a good note to wrap up on. Yeah, I, I agree. I yeah. definitely agree. <laughs> All right, Taskmaster. Yeah, we got to get out of Sorry. here. Okay, so Jen yes. uh, Jen Kirkman dot com is yeah. your website. Yeah, yeah. I have okay. to update it. And there's various uh, there's various uh, clips of you on uh, YouTube, and then of course self help is your album, which is available. Is it it's on, on iTunes? It's on iTunes and okay. Amazon.com, and I think if you live around L.A., it's at Amoeba, and it's for sale at the UCB Theater. Okay. And store.aspecialthing.com. Okay. All right. And it's very funny. We highly recommend it. Uh, Jen, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I hope yeah. I wasn't boring. And this no. was a very incendiary topic, so, of course, any uh, emails that somebody that uh, you might want to send, battleshippretension at hotmail.com. Uh, we would like your feedback. Yeah, and if you're a fan of... Uh, Penelope Cruz or High Fidelity or anything <laughs> Reese else Witherspoon. That, I, <laughs> yeah. that yeah. I went off on today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in my yeah, my bitter sinusness. Yeah, just be you know, just be sure to say, "Dear David," <laughs> blah blah blah, because because I just assume you're mad at me as well, and I'm kind of a you know kind of uh, neurotic about that. So just make it clear it's to David, and everything will be fine. So okay, all right. Well, thanks for thanks for being here, Jen. Thank you. All right, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.